Shut up and sit down. Hey there and welcome to the Third Period Podcast, the show that takes you around the UK ice hockey leagues. Sponsored by Nuola for all your custom sportswear needs. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Third Period Podcast. Tonight we have Ross with me. How are you, Ross? Yeah, all good, fine, thanks. Ash? Yeah, all good, thank you, mate. What about yourself this evening? I'm good, thank you. So tonight's guest, we're going back to the start of the Elite League. He played for our arch rivals, the Nottingham Pampers, and had a spell with the Belfast Giants. He's a two-time Elite League champion, a three-time Elite League playoff champion, a multi-time that I do not care to tell you how many times a Challenge Cup champion, and a one-time EPIHL champion. Tonight's guest is Matt Levers. How are you, Matt? I'm very good, thank you, mate. How are you, Aston? So, Matt, uh, let's start off with the cliché question as we ask all the other uh, guests. Um, how does a young lad from Derby get into ice hockey? <laughs> um, <clears throat> my dad, really. It was, uh, he was from Nottingham um, and he had kind of roots in, in the arena, well, at the time, obviously, the ice rink. Um, obviously, met my mum, had, my, had my, me and my little brother. We, we both was basically watching Panthers from a really young age. Um, and back in those days, after a Panthers game, you could kind of just skate after the game for free if you, if you were there watching the game. Um, so we watched the game and, and thrown on the ice after that. And that's basically it. Uh, I started skating then. And as you can tell by my skating pattern, I was never taught to skate. It was all self-taught. So there you go. <laughs> I think you're selling yourself a bit short there, though, because uh, you're a fresh-faced 19-year-old a few years back playing 15 games in the Super League, splitting your time between the Panthers and the Nottingham Lions in the ENL at that point. What was the Super League like? Because for us as fans, it looked like a very interesting league, shall we say. Yeah, it was, from what I remember, it was a long time ago, better than mine. Um, but again, I, at that point, it was... The best way to describe that, compared to the Elite League, Elite League, everyone's a little bit more... <laughs> Not even, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that in the Super League you weren't classed as a player. But again, at that point, I was just a young kid learning from imports and never expecting to play at any point, if, if that makes sense. I was there just to practice and learn the game. I wasn't at any point expecting to really ever play. Fortunately, I did get a little bit of advice time. And again, you didn't learn. But at that time, it was never really... It wasn't like the Elite League was where you, the Brits were expected to play. Um, they're going to play a role. Um, things have obviously changed, but back then it wasn't quite the same. So, in my head, there was quite a divide between young Brits and the imports. But again, it's just the way the, the league was at that point. Big studs coming in, earning massive amounts of money, um, and everybody else is just kind of again, other than the <clears throat> sorry, the Brits have already established Dash and Tate and things like that. The guys that were already there making the money and playing properly. For the young guys coming through, it's very difficult. But, you know, fortunately, things have changed a little bit for, for Brits now. So it was a couple of seasons later that the Elite League started. Uh, yeah. 
and that's when the, the Coventry Blaze joined. So it was our first time really playing the Nottingham Panthers and the Sheffield Steelers. How was that league and that move back to Nottingham sold to you? Was it, did you jump at it or were you a bit cautious or just went, oh no, let's, let's do this? Not really. Uh, so I, I only ever wanted to, but the only reason I left Nottingham originally was just kind of, I guess, earn your stripes and get to play a little bit more, play a little more ice time, um, just learn the game a little bit. No, I never really wanted to leave, but at the same time, I knew I had to, to be able to come back and play um, some sort of role. It was never going to be, I'd be able to stay in Nottingham, make my way all the way up through the ranks and be able to play. Because it, it was just, wasn't that opportunity straight away. So I knew for a while I had to leave. But as soon as the opportunity came up, I was straight back. Hometown, I know you said at the beginning, I was born in Derby, but for me, Nottingham, hometown, and I was only ever wanting to ever really play there if I had the opportunity, obviously. And fortunately, I was. Uh, I got that chance. You managed to get a, a Challenge Cup win, your first of many in that season. So, I mean, that must have been a, a special moment because I think that was your first trophy. I know, obviously, it was a short career at the start, but... Not, not many people get to win trophies, so that must have been a good, good moment. Uh, and you listed them before. I've been very, very fortunate. I played with some great teams, great players. Um, and we, we had a good spell for a long time. So I, I, I can only really thank everybody else. I was very fortunate to play with these guys. Like I say, we managed to collect trophies. It's, it's fun lifting trophies. It's lots and lots of fun. <laughs> In Belfast, followed by some big title games against the Blaze, followed with winning the league with Belfast in 05-06. I'm sure that was a special moment for you. Yeah, I, I, that was a pretty pretty big year. Um, that, that was mind-boggling, really. To be honest, I mean, your visitor the other week, um, uh, Theo, I mean, just to play alongside that guy was... It's hard to put into words, really. It was... I used to sign him on PlayStation as like you, you, and then all of a sudden he sat across from me in the dressing room. It was it mind blowing, really was. Um, and obviously he just had an effect on the team. Um, I'm not saying taking anything away from the rest of the players in that team or any of us really, but without his influence, I don't know whether that team would have won the league. You know, uh, he had that much of an effect. So, but. Um, but yeah, fantastic. Again, Belfast was a home to me for three years. Waterhouse over there, I was very settled. But again, with any sport, you never know what's going to happen. So things, my time ended there and it was time to come back to Nottingham. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like you say, I mean, Fleury in the dressing room, that's some calibre, isn't it? And sitting across, seeing what that man's achieved, it must, you know, must spur the boys on in the dressing room. Um, but we all love How was your time in Belfast and how did the move come about? Um, well, it was, it was Tony Han was the coach. And again, I was young. Um, I never really got the chance to play. This was, again, it was a similar sort of thing. I needed to move to kind of get ice time under my belt. And it was, I think, I'd, I, I, think I hurt my shoulder very early pre-season in Nottingham when the season I was hoping to kind of establish myself a little bit, um, popped my shoulder very early on pre-season and never really got a chance. So it was, I think, I think in, the, in the discussion to go back to Nottingham, it was, you know, have the similar sort of role, be that spare player, not necessarily really get to play. Um, and it was, 
it was very, I think, I think at the time as well, it was, I had nothing else keeping me in Nottingham. Um, I think I'd just broken up with a girlfriend and it was just like, right, time for a little fresh start. Um, I spoke to Tony in Belfast, the opportunity came up and it was, you are going to play, um, you'll centre the third line and you'll play basically. And just at that time, I thought, right, it's time to try and make that move and try and uh, establish myself. And for me, very fortunate. Um, it paid off. Like I say I had three great years there. Um, I kind of not really got my name recognised, but made it to the point where I was able to play regularly without uh, being frowned upon, sort of thing. Just touching on Belfast a little bit more, and you've obviously mentioned Theo Fleury, and yeah. we were very lucky as a podcast to sit with Theo the other week and discuss his hockey career. And he was, I remember watching him playing for Belfast, and I hated him because he was a pain in the backside. He scored goals. He was just a fantastic hockey player. He was the best player in the league by a country mile. Just tell us about the guy, Prosper. What stories have you got about someone of an enigma like Theo Fleury teaching, it, at the time yourself, a kid who's trying to learn the game and get yourself up the ranks? And you've got an NHL, a bona fide NHL star. Well, just... <laughs> like, mind-blowing, to be honest with you. I... The rumours were that he was signing in Belfast and we were just like, yeah, never really believed it. And then it's confirmed and you still don't really believe it. Like, Theo signed, you're still going, I'll believe it when he walks into the dressing room, you know. Then you're there, pre-season starting, oh, Theo's, to, you know, he's flying in today. And still, I don't think I really, really believed it. And then he walks in the dressing room and, hi, I'm Theo. I'm like, no shit, you're Theo. Really, mate? You know, everybody's like the whole dressing room's just gone. Theo's here. Oh my, you know, and talk about an aura. It was just like, you know, but once that all settled down, just a genuine nice guy. Obviously, everybody knows all his troubles and, and all this, but he didn't really dwell on that. If he wants somebody wants to talk to me, he was more than happy to explain and have a chat. Um, he didn't hide away. But again, he was open about why he was there. He was there to clean himself up, sort himself out, um, play, just try and play a little bit more, get himself back to some sort of level. Um, he was good friends, obviously, with the owner, which is why it kind of came around. Um, but it, he wasn't half after any of it. He was 100% feet, as in much as part of the like, team wasn't playing. He's there screaming at us. You know, any guy who wasn't pulling the weight, he was all over them. And then himself as well. He ripped himself a new one when he wasn't playing. So, like I said, he just dragged everyone together like you would kind of expect from an NHL superstar. But it was... <laughs> I still, It's just what he could do at times. Again, he turned off way up, well over shape, uh, well after shape, sorry. But in that first game, I think he scored a hat-trick, a couple of assists fought the biggest guy on the ice, beat him up, um, which again was ridiculous because the guy was like 6'4 or something and Larry made me look tall. So um, it was mind-blowing. Like in warm-up, he sat there. You know how guys do their own thing in warm-ups, you know, the tricks with the sticks, uh, hook flips. He's flipping a puck up so high, catching it, not a problem, which most guys can do to a degree. And then I'm sat there stretching and I remember just standing or sitting stretching and staring at him the next minute he's flicking it up like he normally does catching it without an issue backhand full of 
looks it up, catches it, puck on its end, rolls it down the shaft towards his hand, whips it back up again, catches it again, like flicking the puck up and catching it, no problem. But he catches it on the end of the puck, the puck's flipped on its side, just rolls it down the shaft, whips it back. I'm just, I'm literally giggling while stretching. I'm just like, this is what we suddenly got to work with. It was fantastic. I mean, the stories went on for me. He's there telling stories about New York, and again, it's it's just amazing, really. It's an honour to be able to talk about it, to be honest, really, and say I played alongside him. Definitely does sound that way, and he was a special <laughs> player and a special character. And um, touching on Belfast just a little bit more, while you were over there, you got your chance to play for Great Britain, but that was a m proud moment, massive moment for yourself. Massive, massive. Again, alongside playing the sport as or a hobby that you did as a kid, then do it as a living is, you know, it's a dream really. So though, you get to play for your country as well. It's amazing really. Um, can't remember too much about it. I think I was kind of a little bit, I know I scored at some point between, I think. It probably hit me, hit me on the way to the goal or something. It was classed as my goal, but, um, but yeah, just fantastic to wear the, the GB shirt really, guys. Really, really good. Honour again as always. It's a, it's an odd one for me and from reading through the stats and stuff because you move back to Nottingham where you were then getting more points, more ice time, more of a role player, but then you didn't go get another excuse me, you didn't get another call up for GB. Was that a bit yeah. of an annoyance or was it um, the players around you improved and you you had to keep going? But I think that for you? General, I think when I was in Belfast, there may have been a little bit because I'm. There's way better Brits out there all the time coming through. And I think it just reached the stage. I was never a star player. I was a third line grinder. And I'm, I'm quite happy to say that. Um, I think playing for your country, uh, I think that role's not necessarily really needed at times. Um, playing against in other national teams, you need the skilled guys, the fast guys, the guys that can shoot, not the guy that grinds away on the third line, you know. So I think... My role was always the same, and I just think national team I think things maybe changed a little bit. Um, I think there was one time back in Nottingham I, I did get the call to go back again, but I think I was hurt towards the end of the season. I'd been playing with, um, I think I had a broken hand for probably the last month or so, and then threw into the playoffs. Um, I'd just basically been playing through with injuries just to get through, uh, with the injections just to get through to the end. But to then go away with the national team again. It was kind of taking a spot away from somebody that could do a job better than me at 80% sort of thing <laughs> quite easily. So, um, But yeah, it was, like I say, I, I, I think with Nottingham in that aspect, when I was playing, getting more points and that we, my role changed a little bit. Yes, I was that solid defensive player, but I was playing with two skilled points getters as well. At one point I was playing with Galbraith and, David Clark. Uh, at one point, I was playing with uh, Dan Tessier and Johan Moline. I mean, it doesn't, you know, I'm playing the defensive role. <laughs> I break up a play, give them the book, I'm getting the second assist sort of thing. So it's probably why my points picked up a little bit. <laughs> Not so much I'm dangling guys and scoring. It was, I'll block a shot, it hits me, and then they, they go and score. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, understandable why things went that way with GB, I think. But, um, I was never upset about it. I couldn't stand way better players out there. Well, 
I, I admire the honesty with that, Mark, because uh, some players would be like, yeah, I'm a bit annoyed by it. But, I mean, we all spoke, we all wanted you on because we watched you for years and we, we used to have a horrible, not a horrible rivalry, but a massive rivalry. I mean, we didn't, you know, no one missed the Coventry Nottingham games. I, I think they overtook the Sheffield Nottingham games for a good period wow. of time. I agree, yeah. uh, And I'd, I'd be at Nottingham, even if it was a Wednesday, seven o'clock, I'd finish work early. You, you couldn't miss those games. And there was a, there was a real nigger one. You were, you were a massive part of that. You were, you would get in the people's faces, like just not little, little taps or you would moan at the ref constantly. Cause I used to shout at you, like, just get out of the way, leave us, leave them alone. Stop, stop trying to distract the ref. But there was two massive incidents that happened at the Skyden that involved you. Uh, so we'll talk about, we'll talk about taking a blocker to the face first. Cause I think that's a little one. Um, you didn't get up the ice till the Monday. So what happened on your, your account? Cause I mean, I was down the other end, so I didn't see it, but then the camera didn't see it. Uh, it was a pretty big moment and that must have hurt. It wasn't as bad as you think. It did at the time. Um, Mr. Koenig and I never saw eye to eye and I couldn't tell you why. I have no idea why at all. Um, <laughs> maybe I chopped him at one point. I don't know. Maybe he might gave me a chop. But on that particular incident, I... And I know you guys are probably going to disagree. A thousand million people in commentary probably disagree as well. Um, I was just mind-boggled that it happened. I keep saying mind-boggled, but um, I remember driving in there. We were cows. Um, he was playing D at the time, and he took me to the net. And I literally just stopped because I think the puck went backwards. And I was like, I remember thinking to myself, excuse my language, F me. I've just drived, I drove the net here, and the puck's gone back the way. Right, slam the brakes, and I'm going the way. As I stopped, I don't know if our feet tangled up, but Cows went down into the net. And I think Cows was pissed at me as well. He got up and came back at me. And Cows and I played GB, through GB for years and years and years. So I was a little bit, oh, Cows is having a go at me. I was like, okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> and I think at this point, I was on my knees and kept looking up at Cows. And I can't, I can't remember exactly, but... Next minute, obviously, I'm saying I'm getting blocked to the face from Mr. Koenig. Um, and to be honest, nothing actually happened with Koenig. Um, but again, he obviously has a different, would have a different interpretation of what happened. So, um, yeah. Well, I'm going to, uh, I'm, I think it's because it was Peter Hirsch that hit you in the face. So you must have missed you called him a different goal. That's it. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've been bl I've had too many smacks to the head. I've got concussion. I don't remember anything. And can you edit that out of anyway? Just kind of blur over my name so if I say Hershey. Yeah, that's fine. We'll just put her. You just keep saying Hershey. We'll put it in. And then obviously the brawl that happened after the first time I've ever seen a someone get two minutes of hooking and two minutes of embellishment yeah. i think either one or the other we've always all players say exactly the same um and it technically it, i mean you can sell it a little bit more and i often people said i did that a lot and maybe there was times but um and again people are going to disagree with me but i can't skate i think <laughs> i'm very light on my feet give me a little twing i'm falling over and on that occasion, um, I remember this because I was I was amazed that uh, Crookshank. I know this one definitely. Know I got this one right. 
that he was so mad at the situation. I don't know if something else had happened because he'd can open me. And I was like, how on earth am I selling that? You literally put your stick between my legs and twisted. And I went there. I couldn't stand. I wouldn't have stood up if I was on my own skating anyway. I fall over and up. So the fact that he lost his mind, I don't know if there was something else that kind of happened there. Um, but like you say, both of us getting the penalty is, I, I, we often say that it's a ref's easy way out. They don't want to make the call one way. So they're like, ah, it kind of looked like tripping, but he made a meal of it. I will give them both a penalty. Um, and it, like I say, then it just kicked off from there. Um, <laughs> the rest is so, down in right, we, Our understanding is, Scott obviously said a few choice words. So he's got chucked. So what do you yeah. remember that situation then? You're, yeah, you're, at this point, I'm in the box kind of watching it all unfold. And um, yeah, he's, he's obviously pissed at the situation, mouthing at the ref, the ref kicks him out. And for some reason, again, I don't know if there's some thing between uh, Krukshank and out and uh, K-Ward Goldie. I don't know if there's something there as well, because he just goes straight after the Goldie and tries to cross-check them, um, which, like I said, there must have been something or something was said, I don't know. <laughs> which is obviously then going to boil over to the point that we're all climbing out of the box and it's just gone off. I mean, that actually injured uh, K-Wall for a while. I think he hurt his knee in that situation. He was out for a while with that, which, again, has more, right? Because then everybody's going to be a little bit more, it's not just it's all cross-check and we've had a fight about it. It's a cross-check that's then injured with the bowling that was standing there and wasn't really involved in the incident to start off with, you know. So, kind of then has a lot of for weeks and weeks and weeks, I think. Sorry. I did see you skate out of the box and think, oh, I'll best go over now. Yeah, I'll best go and do something <laughs> and then stand around and not really do too much. But guys always seem to have a joke. That's my, how many, one, I think that was my third bench. No, at the time it was probably my second bench parents. I think I've had another one, two since then as well, which is, yeah, <laughs> which is quite, um, the yeah, big bench parents, I seem to be involved in the big bench parents for some reason, I don't know why. <laughs> what, what was the, uh, the dressing room like after that? Because, I mean, you had Alex Penner going on like a madman, who, who was sitting next to him in the, in the period breaks? So I don't think I would have fancied it. I don't know. Uh, yeah, he's, um, <clears throat> Special character um, is probably the best way to describe it, Mr. Penner. Um, I don't think anyone was sat next to him. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you've been into the away dressing room in, in Coventry. There's not a lot of room um, for a full team. Um, but I think Alex would have probably had a little corner to himself. And everybody else would have sat on top of each other just to kind of stay clear. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't remember that day too much. It was probably just chaos are we going back out are we what who's playing with who what on earth who's been kicked out um and are we going out there for more fighting or is we actually going to play hockey now or what you know what's the situation sort of thing so but yeah alex uh, mr penner would have been enjoying that night let's put it that way that's what he, he was there for <laughs> Yeah, enjoying it most certainly. Um, so in Nottingham back then, um, a lot of Elite League fans called Nottingham Team Hollywood and yourselves. 
when coming to the Sky Dome and the rivalry was high, I, you know, I bet that was some some type of game, wasn't it? I loved getting abuse from the guys behind while you sat on the bench. It was a lot of fun. That is, um, it's <laughs> it's just part and parcel. We kind of expect it after a while. You know what's coming in in commentary. It's a hostile environment. It's fine. Um, the imports are not, like imports new to the league often struggled because they were used to the arenas where you aren't really that close to the fans and the fans don't have that much interaction. So guys literally a couple of feet behind you heckling and shouting and hanging over um, caused a little bit of trouble for some of them. But the Brits that have been around for a while kind of knew to take it on board and often at times turn around and have a little bit of banter back. But it was just, that was what commentary was about. That was how it was. That's like how all the old arenas were. You know, you, I remember growing up, you walk through the fans to get to the ice. Um, before the arenas were there, it was like through the ring, like the old Nottingham ring. You'd walk through the fans that were stood there having a cigarette while you were walking up and climbing up onto the ice. You know, it's, it's the old thing. So it, it brings me back to those sort of things. Like there was interaction where nowadays, obviously with the arenas, fans are kind of behind the plexi and you don't really get any interaction. So <laughs> I remember at one point, uh, Theo lost his mind. Going back to Theo, he was like, what? Is like his first time in Coventry was. <laughs> I don't know if he wanted to go back ever again. Let's put it that way. There was a lot of abuse thrown his way that, that night. <laughs> to be fair to him, in his episode, Theo did mention that night and yeah. the fans, and he did leave a nice little message for the fans and how he would like to have seen it dealt with back in the day of players getting an opportunity to climb into the crowds and have a bit of a ruckus and sort the <laughs> yeah. rough and the smooth and everything. But I don't think we go down very well, personally. Um, on your time in Nottingham, then, um, we can't not mention the 12-13 season. You in the Grand Slam with an absolute star-studded team. Some set of players in there, Bruce Graham, David Ling. Unfortunately, they were a joy to watch. Um, not that we wanted them to be being Blaze fans, but they were great hockey players. That year, why did it work so well for Nottingham and how come you finally broke that league duck? Um, to be honest, Corey had been, sorry, Mr. Nielsen and Corey um, went together, really strong team. He'd been building, if you know what I mean, he'd been putting, putting those foundations in from the very beginning. Um, I was good friends with Corey and I spent a lot of time in the summers, so I was kind of learning how he recruited as well. So I was there around the house when he was talking to players and some of those guys, like he'd had, those names on the board that he was trying to attract for years. You know what I mean? He had contacts with them. Um, and I guess that year he just managed to get all the pieces that he wanted to put a particular team together that he, you know, how he wants to play. Um, obviously from the beginning, he was putting in his systems, his tactics and everybody was working around that. So the guys that did come in, we just blended all, all together. You know what I mean? So, you're saying that all those fantastic players came in, they come in, came in with their skills and their abilities, and then he put his tactics and stamp on it, added to the guys that were already there, the good bond that we already had. And I just think it worked, well, obviously it worked out perfectly, really. Um, just the way that everything kind of clicked towards the end. And like I say, we got that, uh, that travel. Why, why do you, obviously you kind of touched it there that Corey was building, but why do you think Nottingham have struggled to get that league title? I mean, in one-off games, cup games, you fan you will always back Nottingham. I mean, you can tell by your trophy haul. But yeah. why can't Nottingham 
do it over a season consistently because it's now been eight years since Nottingham won the league again. And, and is that going to be another... Obviously, the coach has changed and that, but trophy, cup games, yeah. But the whole season, what what is it that you think really, is going it's on? Really hard to say. Yeah, no, I completely understand. It's really hard to put a finger on it. And it's just that word of consistency. When I mean, those spells that we were there, there was always something that happened. We had a little bad spell at, say, Christmas. You know, all of a sudden, ruined your chances. We could never have the consistency of, like if we had a bad night, we had a bad night. It's not like you'd have a bad night and still manage to scrape a win. You'd have a bad night and get absolutely destroyed by a team that you shouldn't get destroyed by. And it'd have a knock-on effect. And then there'd be two more games where we're trying to get ourselves back to the winning weight. Um, and again, I don't, the last few years may have been the same sort of thing. It's still, like I say, chopping and changing with coaching staff and trying to there's been a lot of changes. It's hard to get that consistency if there's so many big changes, you know. Um, I think just at that time with Corey, we had that core of players, that set of Brits that kind of, we were there for a while. Um, imports kept coming back as well. So we, you know, you kind of could work towards, you know, they, they had that bad spell the following year everybody knew what had happened in that bad spell we could try and adjust and try and improve and not have that inconsistency um and i guess it just kept building and building until the point where we did have that really good year but after that year things started to change um i think i did I leave straight away then i think i may have left that year after winning there was a few other guys left all at the same time um so again a chunk of the core kind of left try and rebuild again, try and rebuild. And I guess it's just, I don't think there's anyone left there now that was in. Lacko, maybe? Was he there at the beginning? I'm not sure if he was there still at the beginning. But the, maybe one, maybe two. Even like Stevie's gone, uh, Lapine's back, but none of the coaching stuff. I mean, Strax, sorry, was still there, but now director of the geese there, director of hockey. You know, all things... Everything's slightly different. Everybody's doing things slightly different. Um, so I don't know when. And obviously now, who knows what's going to be happening. So, like, which is unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Like you say, um, you win that in Nottingham. Um, that uh, signaled the end of your elite league career. Uh, what a perfect to uh, way to go out on such a high. You joined Peterborough in 2013 and 14. Um, and then the year later, 2014-15 season, you were given the assistant, um, assistant captain for the first time in your career. And then you go and win the playoffs with it. I'm sure that was a special moment for you. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, um, that was possibly one of the, not the best, but the most rewarding win of everything. Um, I didn't know what to expect dropping down uh, to Peterborough. I didn't know. Um, my ice time was diminishing with Nottingham, and I still felt as if I had enough in the tank not to just sit there and just practice. I still wanted to play. So dropping to Peterborough, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I signed as a D-man originally. Um, that was interesting for a few weeks. Um, it took about uh, 
a month or so before because um, a new coach came in, Slava Kulikov, who's there now, my kind of coach, tactical based. Um, he came in and about a month of watching me play D, he was like, he pulled me aside. He was like, Leeds, we're going to have to put you forward. I, I basically just got bored playing D, no offense to D men. Um, I was getting the puck and trying to do too much with it. And he was like, right, I'm going to go and play forward. So I was like, back to how I felt. Um, and Slava came in and did the same sort of thing as I guess Corey did, put a foundation in for everyone to build from. And again, at that time in, in the league, it wasn't like systems and things weren't a massive thing. So me dropping from the elite league, I came down and I was kind of like, okay, well, you know, what system are we doing? What four check? What, de uh, what defensive zone? What uh, PK? What power play? What are we doing? And there wasn't really this is what we are doing, this is our system, this is this system. We was like, so for me, it was a bit of an adjustment. It was a little bit more free-flowing. It was a little bit more adjust and kind of react to the situations. And I was like, I was very, you know, crosses here, crosses there, you must be here. And that's how I've grown. So when Slava came and just kind of implemented that, I suddenly felt way better. I could add my input a little bit more. And everybody suddenly learned and everybody jumped on board to the systems. Yes, we weren't necessarily the most skilled team, um, most studded, star-studded team. Peterborough isn't throwing money around like they're, they're sensible with their money. They pay their money. They can look after the players properly, you know. Um, but they aren't throwing ridiculous money around like some of the teams were at times. So Slava came in and put a, a team together that would play the system. And that team technically wasn't meant to beat Manchester, wasn't meant to beat Telford that had all the stars, but they bought into that system. And that weekend in Coventry was, again, amazing. We beat Telford on the Saturday, and that was, it actually, that win in, uh, in the semi-final, well, it seemed more of a celebration that night than it was winning the night before. When we beat Telford, there was not one guy in that dressing room that didn't think we'd already won the trophy. That Manchester game the following day just seemed to be like, well, let's go get our trophy. Enough's enough. Let's get this over and over so we can celebrate. It was mentally already done when we beat Telford. So to me and to a lot of the guys, that trophy was massive just because we weren't really meant to win anything with the team that we had. And we just, is that old cliche of team. <laughs> and I'm putting it, it work out. Maybe we did. So um, great times, great times. Definitely sounds like a, a very well-earned trophy and a well-respected one from the roster. Um, one final question from me, and it's quite a fun one. We like to ask everyone this, and we get lots of flamboyant answers and obscure answers. But across your playing career, what would be your all-time top six? One netminder, two D-men, and three forwards. I think I know one of the forwards already. Ooh, right, okay. Top, now, now I'm going to offend people if I don't pull them out of back, aren't I? Right, okay. So, sorry, one goalie, right. Top goalie. Is it guy, guys that I've got to have played with, yes? Yeah, players you've played alongside if possible. Okay, right. I've got to go, goalie-wise, well, saying that, my brother's going to be Pete now. Do I have to, do I have to pick? <sighs> Can I have a substitute goal? Can I have a backup goalie? You can, well, you can have your brother in, of course, because obviously... I'll have him as a, he'll be my backup goalie. He'll be the backup goalie. 
because otherwise you'll be mad at me. Um, <laughs> I'd have to go with Kowalski, Kowal for my goalie, just because we went uh, won so much together. Um, he was there for start to finish, so I'm going to have to go with him. Demon. Wait, let's say you've already thrown Fury in for me, right? Okay. <laughs> There's so many names in my head right now that are getting mad. I've got to put Luke on there, haven't I? I'm going to yeah. have to. Yeah, I think you have to. That's a, we, I mean, we didn't influence you in any way, so it's all good. <laughs> I'm going to have to put Luke on there. Okay, so Luke, so he could stand back door and tap in all his thousand goals. Just stand there and do nothing. He'll just tap them all in while everybody else does the hard work. Um, so Luke will be there, standing back door. Um, we're going to have to go Jonathan Weaver to run and quarterback the power play. Um, I'm trying to think of some old guys now that wouldn't necessarily. I'm going to go for a little bit of toughness on my right wing. Barry Nykar. Probably before. Just oh, he is my first Panthers goal, so he always sticks in my head. And he's a gentleman, an absolute a legend in Nottingham. And I've spent a little bit of time with him afterwards as well um, at Friends Wedding. I like, love Barry to pieces. So I'm going to throw him in for my toughness on the wing. Uh, I've got how many have I got? How many more do I need? We've got one demon to go. One demon. So tough, so tough. I'm thinking now, Peterborough, just to level it off a little bit. But so it's hard. Too many friends now. Too many friends. Um, <laughs> you don't upset people, it's fine. No. I don't want to. I don't <laughs> want to get this popped out, and then all of a sudden I've got no friends. Why did you not do this? Why did you not do um, For comedy, let's think. Weaves, who would, who would compliment Weaves at the back? Need a big shot, don't I? Need a big shot. Or a brain. Can I put Jordan Fox? Jordan Fox played as a demon for a while. Can I can yeah. I stack my team? Yeah. I'm stacking my team. Jordan Fox was a cracking captain, cracking player. Uh, yeah. Bane in everyone's side and loved to know time. I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. stack it. I'm stacking that team. Yeah, I'll go Jordan on the on the point. We maybe we may struggle defensively at times, but we're going to score goals. Score goals, and uh, we obviously we we didn't get to see Barry play, but we've seen the videos. So yeah, he, he, I'm sure he'll look after everyone. So <laughs> no, there's no issues there. I'm just going to do a quick round robin with the guys. Is there anything else from you, Ash? Just one more thing. Um, obviously, I've, I've done a bit of research myself and looking at your life now. What is happening in the life of Matt Levers right now? <sighs> Locked down with kids is right now. Um, <laughs> no, a um, couple of little dudes, um, happy bouncing around like crazy children. Um, wife and me are kind of working from home, so it's, it's not too bad. Back into the office a little bit. Um, we've worked around things, we're okay. It's, um, it's been fine. Um, little ones just started school. It's just, I don't know if you guys, all, do you have children at all, you guys? 
So yeah. you know full well it is 24-7. Um, one's just started school, so that's kind of taken out. It's just sorting out times now. It's like one's got to be here, one's got to be there. I need to be maybe getting to the office. It's full time. So, um, yeah, it's that really. No hockey really involved at the moment, unfortunately. But I'm not saying no, though. I did speak to somebody the other day about maybe playing a little bit more um, when things settle down. So we'll see. Obviously, it won't be anything serious. It will be my body wouldn't handle more than a weekend. So it'll be another one from me, Mark. Are you are you still watching the Panthers? You still going up there and enjoying yourself when you well, obviously when the season's on? I I I'm one of those guys that I haven't re- I've never watched a game that. After playing, I've never really watched a game. I've never been to the arena in the capacity to watch. I've never done that, um, which is, kind of, I guess, kind of weird because I grew up supporting from, like, say, three years old watching the game. But after playing, I don't know if it, it – I find it hard to sit and watch. Yeah. I sit there more. I wouldn't enjoy it as much. I'd be saying, why are you doing that? And I wouldn't enjoy the game. You know, why are you in that position? What are you doing? Yeah, and I'd probably annoy everybody around me. So again, with the kids and family time, it's never really been. Oh, let's. I'm not ruling it out again. Later on, maybe I might head back down yeah. there, but I'll probably be an annoyance to anybody around me. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> well, it's, you're either 100 percent in, or you can't be the fan. I I, I respect that. Uh, but no, I, Mark, I would like to thank you very much for coming on. Uh, thank you. We've had a good reminisce about. The, the year um, I, I know I said I didn't like you but you, you're alright actually <laughs> thank you so much mate <laughs> uh, that completes this this week's episode of the third period podcast uh, thanks for listening I'll see you again soon